Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, His Beloved, Repentance, True and False Converts, presented by Pastor Rick McDonald on April 10th, 2016. It's not fake. So if I sound nervous for the first couple hours, it's not fake. <laughs> um, what I'm going to talk about today, this is a message I really feel that God put on my heart a long time ago. It's about repentance. Um, is repentance necessary and a part of salvation? And also, what are some you know, genuine signs of a truly repentant person? Um, it's funny that Dan and Tracy are here today. Back in when we were at Cibola, I don't know if you remember me telling you, Dan, I felt like I was ready to preach this message. That was in 2006, so I finally made it. It's only been 10 years. But... Um, Before we go any further, let me pray. Lord God, I just ask today that your Holy Spirit speak through me, God. Uh, None of my opinions and none of my words matter. It's only what you have to say, God. I feel that you put this message in my heart, and I just ask that it uh, come out in a way that honors you, Lord. And for every soul in here, God, that all of our cares and worries and distractions that we have in this life and throughout the week, that we're just able to put those aside and just uh, hear what you have to say to God today, God, and maybe it'll make an impression on our lives, or maybe we'll make a change, and just uh, free us from those distractions. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. So a couple things before I get going is uh, I've never, ever done this before in a church setting, so I've asked several of the other guys, you know, how to get a sermon going, how to start it. Uh, yeah, I had no idea even how to make the notes and stuff, so Alan gave me the best tip. He said, get yourself a little pocket recorder and preach the sermon and listen to yourself and you can make the necessary changes so I went and got a little recorder and I I actually did it three entire times you know to kind of see where my time was at and you know what changes I need to make and so forth and the only audience I had was my two dogs and and this is really true they both sat there and actually listened to me the whole time it was a little of course I threw them a couple snacks here and there but so I'm going to make the same deal with you guys that I made with them. If you promise to sit and stay, I'll go ahead and get through this whole thing. So, <laughs> Oh, look. I actually did bring a couple, too, just in case someone took me up on it. <laughs> I was actually for Floyd's son. I told him if he comes, I'll throw him a snack. That was a deal we made, but he didn't. So here, since you asked, there's a little Scooby snack for you. <laughs> uh, anyway couple things um back when i talked to dan about this is when this first when i really felt the impression of god putting this on my heart we uh kathy and i owned a business for quite a few years it was a an auto repair shop and we did almost all of our business with one vendor and and as business increased we started to get some perks and one of the perks was we got to go on these really cool trips every year out of the country and one of the trips we were down in puerto vallarta and there were some other people that were on the trip with us that were Christians. And um, when we were down there this week, we stay in these like all-inclusive resorts that are just super nice. And the the people down there, they really cater to the Americans. I mean, they, anything you want. It's, I mean, when I say anything, I mean anything. We have the waiters come up to us and pretty much offer you, whether it's legal or illegal or moral or immoral, they offer it to you. And I, it's just noticing during the week at how a lot of the American people were just, you know, partying down and drinking. And one guy in particular that I, I have in my mind, which nobody knows, I won't say his name anyway, but 
he was a strong believer, and he pretty much did not go a minute that week without a drink in his hand. And so getting to talk to uh, some of the workers down there, too, they just they view Americans, their literal view is we just party all the time. I mean, there's, there's, that's all we do. And I got to talking to one of the guys, and I was telling him, I said, you know, believe it or not, when, when we leave here, like this is a one-time trip for us. We could never do this on our own. Um, we have to go back and go to work. And he was surprised. He's like, oh, wow. You know, just that didn't seem real to him. I said, well, we don't get to live this crazy life, you know, and party all the time. Not that we were partying, but the other people. And uh, so they were kind of, they were just very surprised by that. And then, you know, I'd, like I told, I mentioned to Dan, I just said, I really feel that God's asking me to, you know, talk about this a little bit. And of course, I tried to hide from God. And by the way, if you ever try to do that, it does not work. I mean, he's, he's going to find you. He's going to convict you. But in the last 10 years, he has allowed me to learn a lot more. Um, and then, you know, just being observant of people's lives and Christians and whatnot, you know, how we live. Um, for us to take the name of a Christ follower and, and a, a believer, it matters how we act. It matters how we live. And uh, first of all, everything I say, I'm not, I'm not saying any of this in a judgmental way. God is the only knower of hearts. Um, I don't know anybody's heart. He does give us some guidelines, you know, for bearing fruits and, and the fruits of people and how they act and live. But to know what's in your heart, that's between you and God, and only God doesn't know that. But just seeing different people and, and, and even my own life, how we were living and things we were doing, I just like, wow, this is, this is really convicting me more and more. So I started putting this together, and after 10 long years and... I wrote it four or five times and threw it away a bunch of times and stuff, so here I am, and we're going to give it a whirl if I don't drop everything first. Um, But anyway, so the first thing I want to talk about is actually what is repentance? Um, A lot of people don't actually know. Um, Biblical repentance is turning 180 degrees from your life without God. Um, your your desires, your pleasures, your wants, your lust, whatever it is, it's literally turning in the opposite direction, saying, God, I'm choosing to follow you and to live your will, your way. There's a passage in Luke. Um, by the way, on your notes, there's a whole bunch of scriptures. I'm not going to read them all. Those are just for later reference if you decide to look through them. But one that really struck me good, it's in Luke chapter 9. It starts in verse 23. And Jesus, as he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, his, basically your pleasures and everything I just talked about, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? And if you really think about the uh, implications of that verse, it's, it, it's, it's, first of all, it's daily. You don't just repent one time and you're good to go. Every day, you need to recommit yourself to the Lord and just say, God, you know, yesterday, yesterday's gone. I messed up. Yes, I sinned. I made some mistakes. But today, Lord, I'm committing my life to you again. And... It, it, take up your cross daily and follow him. So it's giving, it's giving up our ways, our desires, our lust, our pleasures to follow his will, his ways, and his desires. Um, a lot of, oh, there's another little note too that Chuck Smith, he has a really good commentary on 
repenting. Um, in one of his Bibles, it's, it's, it says to, to die to yourself to the full process of torture and death. So is self-denial. We're to take up our cross on a daily basis and reckon ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. It's a difficult, slow, painful process to die to self. And that's why Jesus said we have to do it daily. We try not to make the same mistakes, the same committing the same sin. Um, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but if there's some known willful sin in our lives, this is what he's talking about, to die to ourselves daily. Um, a lot of people that I've met over the years, too, they, they seem to be doing okay, I guess you could say, in life. Things are going well. You know, they may have a good job, uh, a lot of good friends. They're nice to old ladies. They pay their taxes. They're morally pure and clean, but that, that's not what cuts it. That's the world standard. God's standard's perfection. And none of us can reach perfection, ever. Not while we're living on this earth. So that's why Jesus sent his son to make the sacrifice. Um, in just a minute, I'm going to show you a little video clip. But I want to tell about a friend of ours. It's a family friend that my family knows well. Um, I'll leave his name. I'll try to leave his name out of it. But he's He's worked for a major rock band most of his life and uh, has toured with them for many, many years. Um, amazingly, he's been able to stay away from the lure of drugs and alcohol and women and all the other things that normally go on with rock bands. He's a really good guy. He, he does quite well. Financially, he's set. He's got a lot of possessions. He's a really good guy, very nice. My family knows him well. But... I've talked to him oftentimes about the Lord, and I'm like, how much of that can you take with you when you go? You, have, you know, you have, you have this wealth. You have everything's going good. People, you know, look at you highly. You're, you know, you're not wrapped up in all this stuff, but God's not in his life. So what good is it? You know, he's content. And I want you to listen to what, the, um, you guys probably seen this movie. Just listen to what this lady says real closely to her words, how the devil tries to trick us into believing that type of life is okay. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I mean, it's not like you even know who I am. anything wrong and here you are you're the nicest person I know I am the meanest you have dementia my life is perfect explain that to me sometimes the devil allows people to live a life free of trouble because he doesn't want them turning to God your sin is like a jail cell except it 
though nice and comfy, and there doesn't seem to be any need to leave. And the door is wide open. Till one day, time runs out. The cell door slams shut. And suddenly, it's too late. Says a lot, doesn't it? Wow. Um, another thing about repentance, I, I stumbled across this in the last eight or nine years of preparing this. Um, <laughs> we can't even do that. God, God grants us repentance. And, uh, and if you guys want to turn there, I can just read it in Second Timothy um, chapter 2. It starts in verse 24. Um, I read this. I've probably read it dozens of times and never caught it like I did now. But it says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, able to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God perhaps will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. So that, I mean... God loves us so much that he even gives, gives us repentance, the ability to accept this. And I, I read that and it just blew my mind. Um, one thing that, that kind of gets a little confusing at times is there's a bunch of verses in the Bible that talk about salvation and they don't mention repentance at all. Uh, John three sixteen. I mean the most popular verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Repentance isn't mentioned. Uh, John 1.12, as many as believed in him, to them he gave right to become the children of God. Um, Romans 10.9 and many, many others. And so you read those and you're like, well, how does this repentance thing tie in? But in reading the Bible, it's, it's abundantly clear that God is a holy God. Uh, sin is not allowed in his presence. It's not tolerated. And sin is what separates us from God. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not hear. So sin definitely causes God to turn his back on us. Um, Over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, and it says, And you has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So if God's spirit's not working in you and, and you haven't accepted him, it's the other spirit, which when we know who that is, that's the devil. He's working in the children of dis, uh, disobedience. Um, from my reading and studying and understanding, repentance and salvation go hand in hand. At the moment you decide that you're going to accept God's free gift is the moment you're repenting you to live. You're saying, God, my way is not working. I can't do this. I can't continue to live 
in my own power, my own ways, my own sin. So I want to accept Christ. You know, Christ died for me, shed his blood for me. And, and by the way, the, a lot of people call it the sinner's prayer. There's no magical sinner's prayer. It's you crying out to God. When you, when you finally realize that you are a sinner, you are bound for hell, and the only way out of it is to accept God's offer of salvation, you use your words. You, you, you tell God that you cry out to him, and God, I, I, I'm accepting your offer. I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I know he rose from the dead to cover my sins. At that same time, you're repenting, and you're turning your life around. Um, and I, I really believe that. Um, in Acts chapter 17, this is like probably the best verse that if you have any doubt about the necessity of repenting. And again, there's a bunch of verses. I'm only going to read two or three of them. And also, I promise Floyd, we're in Luke. In Luke chapter 3, the first couple of verses, it says, John the Baptist came preaching repentance and for remission of sins. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. But in Acts 17.30, you know, Paul's doing a little bit of a message here, and we're just going to kind of cut in on it. But it says, in these times of ignorance, God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. So if you claim, if you take that name of Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, and you continue to live exactly as you were living, and there's no changes in your life, that's not repentance. That's, that's not what it's about. Um, over in Matthew chapter 4, and this is Jesus' very first public words. It says, uh, From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then just a couple chapters back, John the Baptist, same thing. When John the Baptist first came on the scene, he said, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So is repentance a necessary for salvation? Is it a part of salvation? Absolutely. Um, also, it does not mean we will, like I said earlier, it does not mean we're ever going to live perfect. It, as long as we're in this world, um, we're going to mess up. Um, the difference is we have Jesus now. He's, he's covered our sins. The difference between sin and sinning Sinning is, you're, it's willful. You know it's wrong. You, you accept the fact, oh, one of the things I hear the most is, that's just the way I am. Uh, I like this too much. Whether it be uh, an immoral relationship, um, drug use, pornography. I mean, you could just go on and on and on with the list. If you know it's wrong, have no doubt in your mind it's wrong, and you continue to do it, there's no sacrifice. God himself says that. If we continue to sin after receiving this knowledge, but sin because maybe we get mad or we say something. I mean, even if our, we were only condemned on our thoughts, we'd all be in trouble. I mean, just what goes through our minds. So that's the difference in, in willful, deliberate sin versus, hey, you know, I live in this world. I, I Yeah, I stubbed my toe and said a couple words as I'm throwing the chair across the room or <laughs> whatever happens, you know. So that, that's, a, that's a big deal too. Um, God promised us is Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So our, our life, our goals, our desires are to live in a way to please God, to follow His will. Um, right here in this book, he spells it out very clearly for us. So that verse is just surrendering to our ways. We don't think it's, you know, like I said, oh, that's just the way I am. You know, I really like doing that. I'm, I'm not going to change um, that doesn't cut it with God because just as sure as I'm standing here, one day the mortality rate is still 100%. We're all going to get to meet him one day. And he says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. So we'll get to stand before God one day and if that excuse isn't going to fly. But God, that's just the way I was. No, that, that's not going to work that way. So what are some signs? What are, what is some evidence of a truly repentant, genuine Christ follower. The first one, and this is a good passage. You guys might want to turn here. It's in Matthew 22. Um, It starts in verse 36. One of the Pharisees or whatever he is is asking Jesus, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there'll be a difference in your life. You'll, you'll genuinely care about other people. You'll, God will be what's on your mind. Um, the Bible tells us to fix our thoughts on the things that are true and right and pure and honest and lovely. Um, reading God's word, meditating on God's word. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice the progression there. Standing, or walking, standing, sitting. All of a sudden you're just walking by it and you're standing around. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So there will be some evidences. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, these things aren't going to happen overnight, but you're going to begin to see them. Your desires are going to change. Your wants are going to change. The things that you used to like aren't going to seem so attractive anymore. You're going to start wanting godly things. You're going to love other people. You're going to care about other people more important than yourself. Um, Romans 8. There's a couple verses here that I think are pretty good to look at regarding that. First one's in Romans 8, um, 5 to 8. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And this is King James, so I'm going to translate some of these words for you. To be carnally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the fleshly mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And then Philippians 4.8, there's like two more of these I think are really good. Um, 
Well, this is what I was talking about earlier. It says, finally, this is how we should try to train our minds, which is kind of hard to do. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And there's um, several other ones here. I believe they're in your notes too. That it, they're really worth looking into, and it, it, God's just telling us, you know, even in Galatians, what we were like versus what we will become like. Um, just the whole process, everything, everything begins to change. Um, some, some evidence of a person that's not genuinely repentant. Um, I kind of mentioned some of them, but you'll notice no change in their life whatsoever. Um, how they talk, how they act, no love for others. Don't ever talk about God's word or, hey, what did I read in the Bible today? Or, um, you know, they'll show up in church every week. They'll participate in the church activities. They'll do kind things, but everything else remains the same. There's no real difference in their life. And again, me or you or anybody, we don't know somebody's heart, so we can't judge their motives. But it's safe to, we can judge their actions. I mean, there's, there's plenty of places in Scripture that confirm that. I mean, one of the first ones is talking about the plank in your eye versus the speck in your brother's eye. It says, first remove that plank, and then you'll see clearly so if somebody's claiming that, oh, yes, I, I prayed the sinner's prayer, but you don't see anything in their life different at all, you can't help but wonder, was it real? Or was it just, you know, did, was there a little altar call or somebody came forward? Um, Alan mentioned in a sermon a few weeks ago, just going along with the flow. Um, th- this is probably the scariest passage in Scripture. Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 to 23. And these are for the people that, oh, I I prayed the prayer. I'm good to go. Um, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many, not a key word there, many will say to me in that day, Lord, 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 have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I mean, if you think about that, and then right back over in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, and Jesus said to them, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So if you've made this commitment to God, you're, you're dying to those worldly things. If you're looking back going, just like the Israelites, they, they got out in the desert and they're like, oh man, we want to go back to Egypt. You know, there's some good stuff there. Some of that good old sinful stuff. So God's saying, you don't make that commitment. You don't look back and lust after those worldly things. Um, that's definitely a, a sign that maybe things weren't right. These are, all, these are all things that will be clear evidence of a changed life. There's always going to be temptations, trials, troubles. Um, 
A lot of, a lot of preaching done today on TV in different places, they're saying, if you accept Jesus into your life, everything's going to be okay. Peace, joy, happiness all the time. Well, that's absolutely not true. Um, there's a, the Bible promises it's just the opposite. We're going to have troubles. We're going to have trials. We're going to have temptations. We're going to have issues. But the difference is our peace and our joy comes from knowing that we have the Lord right there with us. God, how am I going to handle this today? What am I going to do? Show me the way. And, and you're, you're, the way you handle it will be different. Um, Lastly, here towards the end, in Ephesians chapter 6, God gives us a really super cool tool for overcoming some of these problems. Uh, This one, I think, if you all have your Bibles, turn to it. Ephesians chapter 6 starts in verse 10. Should be familiar to most people, uh, the armor of God. And this is something that also absolutely has to be done every single day. Uh, try, Try... well, a good challenge is just try it for like a week or two. Read this, get this uh, passage out and put this armor on every single day and look at the difference and then don't do it for a while and see the difference. But I'm going to read it and I'm going to explain each piece of this armor. Um, starting in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, meaning people, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth. Well, what is the truth? Well, Jesus is the truth. The truth is that God loved us and chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God's word is truth. Having the breastplate of righteousness. That piece in the Roman time was for your core of your body, um, where you believe your emotions are centered and whatnot. Um, a lot of people live by feelings. I've been guilty of that too. Um, God declared us righteous when we believed by faith. He says that over and over and over. Um, all these different feelings and emotions and things that we have sometimes, well, I don't, I don't feel this way or I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm bitter, I'm whatever it may be. God says, protect yourself with that. You are righteous because I have declared you righteous. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So everybody puts on shoes every day and we go about our business. Um, Are you ready to share the gospel with people? Do you have an answer for your faith? Do you know how to do it? Could you take your Bible out and show them the need? Above all, take the shield of faith wherewith you will be able to quench all all the fiery darts of the wicked. That's a big one there. Um, What are those fiery darts? Bitterness, anger, hatred, unforgiveness, all the things God throws at us and he's trying to tell you're worthless, you can't do it, you'd keep doing the same things over and over. 
The list goes on and on. But by faith, because we believe God's promises, we can stop those darts. We have the shield of faith. He's constantly going to come at us. The, the more we're in the game, the more he wants us out of the game. And the Bible tells us that also, like I was telling you earlier, that doesn't make the road easier. It just means that we have the tools and the equipment we need to overcome that. And the helmet of salvation, all kinds of thoughts pour into our minds every day. We're not worthy. We keep repeating those same sins. They don't like me. Whatever, you just name it. Whatever you're struggling with in your head, you're saved. If you've genuinely accepted Christ's offer and repented in your heart, you're saved. That helmet, the picture of that helmet blocks your mind from any of those little darts of the devil that he's throwing at you telling you you're worthless, you're not saved. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Do you know your Bibles? Do you read them every single day? Do you spend time in prayer every day? Jerry will tell you the importance of that. He wrote a book on it. We're not going to know what God has to say if we don't listen. And this is how we listen, by reading. Sure, he uses people. He uses situations. But the number one tool he's given us is the Bible. Do you read it every day? The next verse, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer is probably one of the most powerful weapons we have and it's probably the most underused weapon. We can pray anytime, anywhere. Any, you can be driving down the road. You can sit in here in your chair, wherever, anytime. You don't have to be on your knees in your room, which is a good place to be. But if you're not, you can always pray. Supplication, I looked up the definition of that. Um, We'll get to Ray and his big words in a minute, but supplication is (laughs) petitioning humbly. You're you're just, God, I can't do this without you. I need your help. Um, So this is something we can do always, anytime, everywhere. And just a little side note, my friend Ray has been teaching me big words, and today's big word is bloviate, which means... (laughs) to ramble on and on and on and on and never get to the point <laughs> like Floyd does. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed when they showed the sermons online, Alan, all those guys were like 20 minutes, 21 minutes, and you get to Floyd, 38, 48, 50. <laughs> That's bloviating. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, he would have done that to me, so I had to throw that in at the end. <laughs> um, that's that's pretty much what we got today. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to ask you to come up here. Jeff's going to strum on the guitar. Um, I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads. If God has spoken to you today, if you're a believer and you know you need to repent, or if you're not, if God's, if that little inkling inside of you knowing that you, you need to take this, you need to do this, Uh, There'll be some pastors standing on the side or even in the back if you don't want to walk forward. Um, Nobody in here knows if you're going to be here tomorrow. Um, If God's spoken to you today, if you know that, yeah, maybe your life's going okay by the world standards, but you've never accepted Jesus, you've never repented of your life, you want to give your life to Him, if He's calling you right now, don't wait. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Um... 
The Bible says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Is he speaking to you today? Is he calling you? Let me pray for us. Lord God, I just thank you for the opportunity that you just allowed me to be up here and speak your word, Lord. I just hope that I honored you in what I said, what I did. Lord, if there's somebody in here now, maybe they're a little afraid to come forward. Maybe they know you're calling them, God. They know there's some things in their life that need to be changed. Maybe they need to, maybe they've been a believer, Lord. They're struggling with some things and just need to take up their cross today again and commit their life to you, Lord. I just pray for that person now, God. Don't let fear, don't let the fear of man bring a snare. But bring them forward, Lord, or, or in their hearts, or let them talk to somebody afterwards, God. And uh, The world's a crazy place. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen when we leave here today. Uh, our life is just a vapor that appears for a little while, and then it's gone. I just ask, God, that you speak to them. Give them that courage, Lord. I just pray for those that are struggling with any particular thing, God, that you would just let them know there's a way, and it's your way. You've given us all the instructions, God. You've shown us how to do it. Just thank you for every individual that's here today, Lord. Pray that you'd bless their lives. I pray, God, that you would help us to be different. Um, We're out in that world way more than we're in here, God, and and we need to be different. People need to see a difference in our lives. They need to see a difference in our actions and to know that there is a better way, Lord. You're the light. Help us to be that light. We're the salt. You told us we're the salt of the earth. Help us to be ready, Lord. Help us to have that armor on, to be ready to share that gospel with anybody. Help us not to fit in. We have to be different, God. We have to represent you. We're your ambassadors. We represent you. Thank you for that opportunity, Lord. Thank you for the blessings. Lord, I just I woke up this morning in a house with a bed and running water, God. Thank you for that and food. Those are the things we take for granted sometimes, but thank you, God, that we have that. I just ask that you bless every person here today, God. Keep them safe and help them not to be afraid to make that decision, Lord, if you're calling them. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.